So we're going to recite chapter 9 of Bhagavad Gita. What's your name? Jordan, nice to meet you. Welcome. Have you ever read chapter 9 of Bhagavad Gita? Okay, we're going to, so we're going to cover the whole chapter. And just... This is done on behalf of our little baby there. She's going to have her first haircut ceremony. So the first invocation mantra, everyone can repeat after me. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So this is a recitation of chapter 9 of the Bhagavad Gita, which is called Raja Vija, the king of education. So what does the word Raj mean? Raj in English. King. King. Raja. So actually this chapter is divided into four sections. Uh, verses 1 through 3, verses 4 through uh, 10, 11 through 9, 22, 21, 22, 21, and 22 to 34. And those sections make an acronym. The first section is K for knowledge, I is for inconceivable potencies, N is for non-devotional worship, and G is for the glories of bhakti. What does that spell? King, yes. <laughs> so this chapter 9 is like that. So. Shri Bhagavan Uvacha idam tu tega yathamam prabhakshami anasuyave gyanavigana sahitam yajkatva mokshasheshubad Rajavijarajagoyam pavitramidam uttamam pratyakshabagamam dharmyam susukam kartamaviyam ashradana purusha dharmasyasya parantapra apraptamam divartante mityusam saravartmane Mayatatamidam sarvam jagat avyakta mortina nasani sarva bhutani nacham teshtavashtata nachamatstani bhutani Pushtame Yoga Maisharam, Bhuta Bhutana Bhutashto Mamatma Bhuta Bhavana, 
यथा कष्टस्थितो नित्यान वायु सार्वतको महन तथा सर्वानि भूतानि मत्स्थानि उपदार्या सर्वभूतानि कुंतियां प्रकृतियां तिमामकं कपक्षये पनस्थानि कपदो विषजाम्यहं प्रकृतिम् श्वामवश्चभ्या विषजामि पुनापुनः पुत्रगमनम् इदम् कृत्स्नम् अवश्यं पक्तेर्वशत् नचमत्थानि कार्माणि निबद्धन्ते दनंजयं मद आसेनमद आसेनम् शक्तिन्तेश कार्मशु मायदक्षेण प्रकृति सुयते सचराचरम् हेतुनारेण कुंति अजगत विपरिपर्तते आवजनान्ते मामुधा मनुष्यान् धर्म अश्वता परमबाबा मजनतो मामबुद्धा महेश्वरम् नहम् प्रकाश्य सर्वस्या योगमाया समाविता मुद्यो नभि जनति लोकमाम अजमाविया अवजनातिमामुरहामानुषमतरमअश्चतबजातियानवानमालसोगतबुद्धमावेयम्सततामकितयंतोमामयतंतस्चालदरदारवतः नमः श्रद्धसमं बक्त्यानित्युक्तप
ಸರತಿ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ಭಗವೀತಸುಪಾನಸು ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವಿದ್ಯಾಗಸ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣಾರ್ಜುನ ಸಂವಾದೆ ಪುರುಷೋತ್ತಮಯೋಗಪನ್ಷದ್ಞಾನವಿಜ್ಞಾನ ರಾಜಗುಯ ಯೋಗ ನ ಭಾವೋಧ್ಯಾಯ that i'm going to explain something to you that is quite a secret Shh, secret so it's a big secret how is it a big secret he is saying it right in the middle of the book but it's not so easily understood it is confidential and it also this information is not widely accessible so in the beginning of the bhagavad gita something that is a great secret is told to arjuna the fact that we are not these material bodies uh there are many prominent universities in the world but even the first basic lesson in life none of that is discussed what universe can you go to uh, harvard university and learn that you are different from your body and if if all the money and all that stuff is to make you happy first you have to know what is the you so they can't answer the first basic question in life the distinction between the consciousness and the physical body therefore it's like a, a mathematical formula if what is 1 plus 1 2 yes now what if you thought 1 plus 1 was 3 and then you made all kinds of big mathematical formulas based on that idea would it be right no everything all your big formulas would amount to nothing it would actually not hit the mark prakriti this is also described as feminine but there is prakriti the soul is a feminine energy but it does have masculine and feminine forms in the spiritual world but in relation to the supreme it is considered feminine so we're uh, cuz masculine energy is always kind of like to control things but no one is a real male only god is the real male we are all female we always you know masculine energy is like try to boss everything you know be a controller yeah. so living entities in the spiritual world they all have both they have physical forms they have spiritual forms of all genders and all features and everything but here uh, but we the nature is that of it's like a prakriti there's prakriti and purusha yeah So um Krishna says I'm not going to even talk about that in this chapter 9 he says this is guya tamam there's guyata guya very secret chapters 2 3 chapters 7 and 8 guyatra more secret this is guya tamam this is the most esoteric philosophy the philosophy of love and devotion that is very uh difficult to find a refined philosophy of love and devotion that ex- excludes the philosophy of materialism and salvationism most uh spiritual knowledge even in the vedic literature discusses the philosophy of materialism and salvationism meaning what do you get materially and what do you get spiritually but the philosophy of devotion has nothing to do with that it's all about what you give 
The mother loves the child, not because uh, what the child gives her. She just wants to love the child. She wants to give to the child. That is pure love. Not to get something. So the soul that loves God on the path of bhakti, he doesn't try to get anything from God. He only wants to give to God. Like the mother is happy if the baby is happy. So this is Guyatama Pravakshami Anasuya Bay. I will tell you this, Arjuna, because you are without envy, Anasuya. Ganavigana Sahitam Yajgatva Moksha Shubhat. And knowing this, you'll be free from all inauspicious ashub. All inauspicious things you'll be freed. It is the king of education, Raja Vijak. Raja Guyam, king of secrets. It is Pavitram, it is pure. And it's Uttamam, supreme. Pratyaksha means it gives direct perception of the self. It is not a path that you have to hope for the future, for the result. It can be perceived immediately. Yes. Okay, let's see. We have uh, this... What is your name? Anusha. Okay, so tell us, if you put food in your mouth and you begin to eat it, what happens to you? What are some things that happen to you? You stop feeling hungry, so your hunger goes away. Okay, and then there are two other things. What happens when you put food in your mouth? What happens to you? Get energy, okay. Ooh, everyone's and there's one more answer. You get the taste? Yeah, you feel happy. So Tushti Pushti Shitpayanu Gasham. Just as you put food in your mouth with each excessive bite, you feel your hunger is going away, you get some energy, and you experience the pleasure of the taste. Similarly, by loving God, you experience uh, this the happiness, the taste, you experience some energy, some knowledge that gives you a greater perception of reality. And here's the ex- here last one. The, this is a this last point is showing how are you progressing in spiritual life. That is your hunger is going away. Your hunger for the temporary, for profit, adoration, distinction, and fame, power. All those things are reducing. If it's not going away, then you're not progressing. Welcome back there. How you guys doing? So how do you know you're progressing? Your material desires are going, reducing. How do you know you're progressing? Your material desires are regressing. Hunger is going away. So how do you know you're progressing in spiritual life? In the back there? Did you hear the answer? Your material hunger for the temporary, the fever is going down. Somebody says, oh, I find spiritual life through LSD. Then we have to see, if by doing LSD, are they still chasing after the temporary after that? 
Yes, they are. So it's not spiritual. Unless it actually changes your heart, that you become self-satisfied within. But a person who has no faith in God, they return back to this material world, birth and birth again. So this first uh, five, uh, three verses are about knowledge. Then the next verses are about inconceivable relationships. So Krishna uh, uh, I'll just explain very roughly. He explain. Krishna talks about how he is aloof from this world, and he is a part of this world, and he is not a part of this world. He has this inconceivable, paradoxical relationship with the living entities and matter. God is everywhere, and he is also distinct from everything. The sun is outside, and the sun is actually not outside. It's quite far away. Are both correct? Is the sunlight the sun? Yes. Is the sunlight the sun? No. Both are there. This Advaita Dvaita. The energy and the energetic. The power and the powerhouse. Both are have union and distinction. How, how do you have power without a powerhouse? How do you have powerhouse without power? What does that mean? So the powerhouse we're, we're talking about, everything you see here is just energy. But there is an energetic beyond. Everything, you as a, a uh, you as a physical body and you as a spiritual entity inside the physical body, both are transformations of Brahman, spiritual energy. But there is an energetic, a powerhouse. And that is God. So in this, these verses, he describes that how he has this, uh, he gives an analogy that the sky, there's atmosphere and wind. Does the wind go beyond the atmosphere? Does the wind flow freely through the atmosphere? So the wind is given freedom and restriction. <laughs> freedom and restriction. So the living entities have this freedom and restriction. Now, there is no case or somebody ha is restricting something else and not being affected by that relationship. If you are a boss of somebody, then you were affected by that relationship. So Krishna is aloof. He is giving restriction, yet he is not affected. And he is giving freedom, and he is not affected. So he says, Udasinad Madasinam, I am seated as if neutral. Ashak, none of none of all although creation is all his works, he is not bound by the work. My everything is happening according to God's supervision. 
Our founder, Srila Prabhupada, he gave an example. He said, my disciples are going all around the world to China, to communist Russia, to uh, to South America, South Africa. And they're opening temples out of affection for me, for this mission and, 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 some, and this gratitude. Simply by that affection, this is all happening. So the Lord says, this material nature is is under His direction. But He's actually not doing anything at the same time. It is happening, but he, He's not, God is not, you know, micromanaging everything. He, it's simply by His will it happens. So Prabhupada said, my, by my desire, this movement was spread, and my desires, my disciples carried out those desires. So then, what is the next letter? N. So N is for non-devotional. Non-devotional worship. So there are many people who worship God in various ways. The Bhakta tradition is to worship God with love. To understand that God is the supreme person, the supreme being. How many of you think the sun is cold? What is your names back there? Lauren and Raul. And and do you guys think the sun is cold? Why don't you think the sun is cold? And how do you know it gives off heat? Okay, because you live in Texas. All right, good answer. Sometimes people say, uh, some scientists have studied. That's okay, but that's some faith. What's not faith is pratyaksha, something you just go outside, you experience it yourself. Like I could say, this yogurt tastes like lemon. Say, I don't know, okay. That's faith, that you accept that information. But to taste it is not a faith, it's an experience. So what does the experience of sunlight tell us about the sun? Effects tell us about the cause, correct? He, he agrees back there, he's confirming the little baby. <laughs> yes. So if the sunlight is hot, what does that say about the sun? It's so much more... Hot and luminous. Now, what if someone said, no, hot sunlight comes out of the cold sun. Would that make, would that be reasonable? The source is actually quite cold, but out comes hot sunlight. Make sense? No? So, you are persons. Means you have relationships, you have activities, you have form, you have intelligence, you have communication. If God is without those things, if the source is without form and personality, it's just as illogical as saying the sun is without heat, but supplies it. Now one may say, wait a minute, my form, my personality has so many flaws. Well, the light, the sunlight here is quite flawed compared to the light of the sun and the sun itself. Here you find shadows. You think there are any shadows inside the sun globe itself? It is so more potent 
This is a limited version of it. So this is a limited expression of form and personality, where God is the perfect expression of form and personality. So God has a form. What does he look like? Does he have a beard? You don't know, yes. Well, it's good to say you don't know. We do actually have information in ancient Sastra, scripture. If you want to know... Uh, if you want to touch a ch- uh, the head of an elephant, the only way it happens is that the elephant allows you to do it. How does a child touch the elephant's head? Only if the elephant comes down. How can one know what God looks like? Only if he reveals himself. So in the Old Testament in the Bible, it says the Lord has curly blackish hair. Well, in the Bhagavatam, in the Vedas, it doesn't stop there. There are more books than you can read in one lifetime just describing what God looks like. And it's described that God is, he has a form that is not old, it's ever youthful. Even when Krishna descended as an avatar to this world and walked the earth, he always looked no older than 16 or 20. At the fight of the battle of Kurukshetra, Krishna was a grandfather, but he still looked like he was 16 years old because he's ever beautiful. God is not only the most powerful, but he's the most beautiful, most intelligent. All qualities that we find attractive, God is that being who has it in the fullest degree. Beauty, kindness, wealth, fame, power, anything that's attractive, God has it to the fullest degree. In fact, there is a Christian book about a child who had a near-death experience. It's called Heaven is for Real. And he has a whole experience. He had died. He had gone, he had, uh, gone through a near-death experience. And so his father asked him, you said in detail, what does God's servant Jesus looks like? What does God the Father look like? He says, it's quite interesting. It's quite strange. He's blue. <laughs> I guess they didn't know the implications of that book, but it's there in the book. <laughs> He said he's sort of blue. <laughs> so you see, Krishna, he has this uh, bluish figure. Oh my God, wow. <laughs> he's prepared. Now, if you don't think God is blue and that he likes to play the flute, that is fine. We would just ask you, what is? do you have a better conception of God? If you don't, then uh, I don't know. Please accept this conception. It is not something imagined. It is given in Shastra. So then, so Krishna says, uh, or He says, uh, What is this word, mudha? Murko means fools. They cannot understand how I have this human-like form. Now Krishna describes Mahatma. Has anybody heard of this word? Mahatma. Mahatma Gandhi. Maybe you've heard. Now the, Krishna describes that the word Mahatma does not refer to any politician. This not, despite whatever they've done for their country. Because Mahatma's vision goes beyond nation. They're fully under God's shelter. 
And they're satataun kitayantomam. They're always singing God's glories. They don't see Indian, American, dog, cat, elephant. They see only spirit soul. Why do you think we're vegetarian? Cause no harm to who? Other souls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the same. We see. It's just a different type. Like, we don't beat up people who drive Toyotas. Just because they drive a different kind of car than us. We might have a Honda. Somebody has a Toyota. If they have a Toyota, oh, I don't care about you. No, the vehicle is different. But the driver is of the same value. Intrinsic value. So the soul is the same in all creatures. Therefore, we don't cause unnecessary harm. Yeah, yeah. So he said, I believe the other reason to be vegetarian is you're able to connect to your kind of divine nature. Actually, because the nature of the soul is not to be harmful towards others. It's to be loving. Now you can offer food to God. You can offer vegetarian food, Krishna says in this chapter later on. Well, I'll just finish up. But He says, if you offer me with love vegetarian food, I will accept it. Therefore, there will be no karma in what you eat. Because if you were to kill a cabbage, you're still taking a life. But if you offer that to God, then it becomes spiritualized. First we should take only what is necessary for ourselves. But then, even that what we're taking, we should first offer to God. And then, what's next? Um, So Krishna describes there different types of spiritualists who approach him. Those who see him as impersonal, those who see him in his universal form, and those who worship demigods, the the uh, angels. And he specifically, this last one, he criticizes. He says, the demigods, uh, if you worship demigods, you can become a demigod in your next life. Can you name a demigod? A devata? Give me a name of somebody. Indra? You've heard of Indra? How long does he live? So, uh, for example, like Brahma, he is the longest living devata, longest living demigod. He lives for 311 trillion years. The life of our universe. Did you know how long our universe lasts? Okay, it's there in 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 the Bhagavatam. 311 trillion years. So, Brahma, he has a lifespan. So Krishna says, if you worship demigods, you become a demigod. He's like, oh, great, I became a demigod. But Krishna says, but when your karma runs out, you come back here. So what did you get? You got nothing. You don't even have a souvenir. At least if you go on a Caribbean cruise, you spend all your money, You go there, you live on the cruise for some time, but when your karma runs out, when your money runs out, you go back to work, but maybe you get a souvenir. 
But if you become a demigod, you do all this good work to go to higher planets and to take a higher place in the prison cell. When your karma runs out, you come back to this place. No souvenir. You could be a janitor, but past life, you were the king of all the heavenly planets, Indra. So what was the benefit? <laughs> Nothing. So then the last section, what letter is the last letter? G. It is the glories of bhakti. Krishna says, he gives special attention for a person who approaches God directly. With the purpose of love and devotion. And he said, that person doesn't, he is cared for. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have to worry about uh, his needs. Like there is a famous prayer of Jesus where he says, look at the birds. Look, they do not reap, nor do they sow, but still our heavenly father feeds them. So the idea is that the sadhu, the saintly person has this faith. That let me simply do what I'm, my, my duty, my, the work that I'm supposed to do. And whatever I'm supposed to get, I'll get. I don't need to gamble, I don't need to cheat, I don't need to find some loophole. I will get whatever I deserve. Not a penny more, not a penny less. He has that kind of faith. And so then Krishna describes how to do this bhakti. He says, you can offer me food, offer me a flower, you can offer me uh, even just a leaf, like tulsi leaf, even some water. Who is so poor that they can't obtain water? You can't attain any water, then you're going to die. Or a leaf. Can you find a leaf somewhere? So Krishna says, so easy to, you don't have to be a billionaire. And when you, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer, whatever you give away, do that as an offering unto me. You will be free from all karma by first offering it to me. How many are vegetarian? Do you want to raise your hand if you're vegetarian? No? Now, next question. How many are prasadatarian? What does that mean? It means that before you eat the food, you first offer it to God. Then it becomes karma-free. The food, why does Kala Chinese restaurant taste so good? Because the food is not cooked for selfish, I'm going to enjoy. It is an offering. This is for the Lord to enjoy. And after something is offered to God, then that thing is honored. It is shared. So when you offer a flower to Krishna, then you share it with everybody. And everyone smells the flower, it smells so wonderful. You can take something as simple as an apple. Offer with all your heart, with love and devotion, offer to God. And then you eat this apple, you're like, wow, why does this apple taste so great? You give it to a friend who did not know you offered that apple to God. And God is not a Hindu God. Is any You just approach the Lord. You can say Allah, you can say uh, Jehovah, any name for God. You give that apple to somebody, they'll say, whoa, why is this apple, what is, is this from Whole Foods? You know, this is from Walmart. <laughs> but why does it taste so good? I'll tell you in a few days, maybe, if you're lucky. So you just offer food to God, then, then, then your shopping for food becomes spiritualized, your cooking food becomes spiritualized, and your eating food becomes spiritualized. It's not once a week, 
I go to the temple. It's every day I'm doing something. It's not a balance, it's an integration. Everything you do, you do for God. So then, uh, Krishna says, uh, Sanyasa Yoga. Now, the last part, he talks about how dear his devotees are to him. He says, I'm equal to everyone. No one is a friend, no one is an enemy, I'm just par- impartial. But in the second part of the verse, he says, but if someone's a friend to me, I'm a great friend to them. So much so that even if my devotee is horribly behaved, this is sudurachar. Achar means your behavior, dur means bad. Durachar, sudurachar, very badly behaved. If my devotee is very badly behaved, he tells Arjuna, you consider him a sadhu. What? How is he a sadhu? If you see some construction worker covered in mud and filth, can you call him dirty? Yes, you can. But if he is in the shower, can you call him dirty? No, because he's potentially more clean than you. He may be covered with dirt, but he's actually doing something about it. Or we are not, if you're not in the shower, then you're not doing anything about it. So he says, my devotee, he may be badly behaved, but he is doing the very thing that will purify his heart. He will quickly become a saintly person. That you don't have to worry. He will change. He will transform. I will transform him. Boldly declare this, Arjuna, that my devotee never perishes. Krishna says, with even raised his voice. My devotee never perishes. You promise this to the world. Now, why did Krishna tell Arjuna to promise? Why did you just say, I promise? Because Krishna, sometimes he breaks his promise to protect his devotees. But his devotees' promise is written in stone. Krishna said in the battle, I will not pick up a weapon. I will not fight for any party. I will only be uh, give guidance and drive the chariot. So Bhishma, what is he doing? He's shooting, he's filling Arjuna's body with arrows to the point that Krishna can't take it. Because Krishna made Bhishma break his promise. So called. So, and so he said, let me see if Krishna will break his promise for his devotee. And then so last, then he says this bhakti is available for everyone. He says it doesn't matter women, businessmen, everyone. doesn't matter body type. Brahmana, Kshatriya, doesn't matter. Anybody can take to bhakti. A child can love God. To do Ashtanga Yoga, to sit in meditation for many years, you have to have complete mastery of the body and mind. To do Karma Yoga, to dedicate your work for God, you must have a job. To do Jnana Yoga, the yoga of intelligence, you must have a brain. You must be a little smart. But to have love for God, that is very easy. Even even animals 
express love for the Lord. It's available for everyone. At least human life, we all can do it. So last last verse, he says, just always think of me. Become my devotee. Offer your worship unto me and your homage unto me. In this way, you surely come back to me. And this, Awanacharya explained that this can just be seen as progressive. Always think of me. Now, how many, how many of you, how many of us are thinking of Krishna at every millisecond? We're lucky even one millisecond we can remember. So that's the top level. The gopis, they're trying to Krishna, forget Krishna for one millisecond. They can't. They told their friends, if you're all attached to money and comforts, don't see that beautiful blue boy playing the flute on the side of the Ganges, on the Yamuna River. Don't even look at him. Because as soon as you see him, your heart will be stolen. Don't look at him. That was the gopis' advice. It's a flipped... So always think of me. Then he says, okay, if you can't always think of me, then Mam Yaji, offer worship and, uh, uh, do, no, become my devotee. Follow Sadhana Bhakti, chant 16 rounds of Japa, wake up in the morning, do all the things that you see the Iskan devotees are doing. He said, no, 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 I don't want to do all that stuff. Then he says, Mam Yaji, do some puja at home. Or we have a Lord's deity there, offer some incense, chant to the deity. He said, no, no, incense costs too much. Uh, it's just 10 rupees per stick. I can't do that. And then he says, okay, Mam Naskuru, just offer your obeisances. So hopefully we do that. Sometimes we at the temple, we're just looking at the Lord. But we go like this, you know, when we see the Lord, you know. Namaskuru. And they say, surely you'll come back to me. I'll bring you back. No problem. Om Tasat. Thanks a lot. So that's chapter 9, briefly. Uh, for her benefit. Now she's going to have her first haircut ceremony. She is the third baby of the day. Yeah. So we chanted three different chapters today. This is chapter 15, chapter 7, now chapter 9. Uh, Oh, Om Tat Sat, thanks a lot. Hare Krishna. Did everybody eat the prasadam? Did you all go eat? My, I don't know if there's any ma prasad, but there's always a restaurant that is also prasadam. <laughs>